Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows you really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept, and characters can be used in your role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Elise, who is currently having a gothic picnic in a crypt. Ooh, I always try to guess what you might say as your introduction. Um, And A, I've never, ever gotten it right, so... Mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. on you. <laughs> um, and B, I like to keep it fresh. <laughs> B, I did really enjoy that um, the picnic scene in the crypt. Uh, so I would be happy to be there as well. Actually, no, hang on. I would let me if I can take the place of Tyler uh, with Jenna <laughs> Ortega. Then yes, please sign me up. Yes, in, if you're in the place of Tyler. Yes. Yes. Um, as we are talking about Wednesday. Season one, episode seven, nearly at the end. Uh, if you don't woe me by now, <laughs> in which kooky Uncle Fester pays a visit and shares his theory about the monster, Wednesday begrudgingly agrees to a date with Tyler at Crackstone's Crypt, which, as I said, was a gothic picnic. And yeah, I can see why you'd want to switch yourself out with Tyler because he, it's a pretty good date. I'm not a picnic person, but he has that like that fairy wonderland look to it yeah yeah and as much like as much as like we both sort of hate on tyler um you know and, like just the way he talks just is just so bizarre um well also now but... we are a spoiler free podcast but this is the episode it gets revealed at the very end that tyler is the monster yes so we can we can legitimately just hate him i mean look i suppose but i will say i do i did think the date was pretty cute um yeah. and you know that that is my kind of date. Like I, I love a good picnic. Uh, also, fairy lights. Who doesn't like fairy lights? Um, oh, fairy and lights the best. yeah, and a great rom com movie. Um, so yeah. that was a that was a, a cute little scene where he asked Wednesday if she likes horror movies, and she you could tell that she looks all like, oh, this is going to be good. And then she is watching the screen and she looks horrified. Uh, and it turns out it's actually Legally Blonde. Um. Which I mean, kind of makes sense though, because that probably would be a horror movie for Wednesday. But it's quite funny. Well, it's so it's so much color. It's so pink. Yeah, yeah. It's like Enid in movie form. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Enid's like soft pastels. Like Legally Blonde is like neon. Uh, Yeah, fluoro. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I love her flinching. Like, (laughs) it's just the credits, really, and she just like has has this look of disgust the whole time, and then just like this flinch of oh no, and. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I say this as someone who loves Legally Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's really cute. I like that Tyler did actually think about what would be something fun for her. Yes. Um, yes, he definitely thought about what would suit her, um, or apart from, I suppose, the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, no, as much as I'm like, oh, Tyler, you suck. It was it was a cute date, um, so yeah. So he he did get some points there. What's your opinion of dates in RPGs? Because this episode, I think we're going to talk a lot more about relationship and role playing between players at the table, based mm-hmm. on what a lot of the stuff that went on in the episode. And this, mm-hmm. like, I don't think they did much talking on the date. I feel that like they was just watching the movie. Hmm. And like talking about the food and like swapping backwards and forwards, stuff like that. So, do you feel that you need to have 
dates in a game unless that's what the game's about? It's really tricky because you're obviously playing, you're at a table generally with at least probably what, at least three or four other people apart from yourself. Um, yeah, I'd say or other three. players, I should say. Um, so I'll, I'm trying to think if I actually ended up role-playing a date with Stephen's character, them. Hmm. Um, I can't remember if we role-played a date or not, um, but I've definitely, like, I that, was that my only relationship? I've been in a wedding. relationship. Yeah, we role-played the wedding. Um, and so, like, I'm definitely not opposed to it. You know, you know, I love so the social role play. Um, mm. That being said, you obviously don't want to take up, you know, you've all, you're putting in your precious time to, to play this game every week or fortnight or monthly or however often you play it. So it's really tricky. Like as much as I would love to do it, um, you also, have, you know, you need to think about the other players and do they want to sit there watching you on your, on your weird, awkward date, you know, for, for 10, 15 minutes or however long it goes for. Um Probably not. So, you I mean, know, I think even though I would enjoy seeing the date, yeah, even though I would would um would enjoy playing it out, um, I also feel like it could be quite boring for other people. <laughs> I think it then depends on what you come to the game for. Like, mm. if you're coming for the story and for the social inter, like the social role play, I <laughs> feel that. Something like that would be quite easy if you kind of mentioned it to everyone beforehand and just kind of said, hey, this session, I kind of want to have this scene with this person or I want these characters yeah. to have this scene and we'll get back to yeah. it, but I just want to role play it out and we'll see what happens. And then it's more as a player who might not be part of that scene, I'm getting to watch that show. I get that. Um, but again, like I, we've discussed this before on this podcast, I don't yeah. like, I like things to happen organically. I don't like talking to the table and saying at some point tonight, I want to have a date or at some point tonight, I want to talk to someone about, you know, X. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I just really, the thought of that, I really do not like that. And so, um, I wonder if that's then something to, that can come up in session zero. Like in the session zero of the campaign, have that conversation, say, well, we won't plan things out each session, but just so everyone's aware, if something comes up naturally, just we're going to let the scene play out and see where it goes and just make it a little bit more improv. Yeah, possibly. And I guess in the session zero as well, you could get you know your players to to discuss, I guess, what aspects they are actually looking forward to, you know, because maybe maybe the majority of them are actually just wanting the combat, um, you know, whereas sometimes you'll get a table that that really all of, you know, all of them really enjoy the social aspect and in which case it probably would be fine. Um, but, yeah, maybe the session zero is a good, a good spot to, I guess, establish those preferences. I think... When it comes to like actual dates, unless it's something that you really want to build the characters and have a moment where they're going to make a decision, it's probably easier just to say they go on a date and they do this, like they do this thing together and then have a couple of like little asides about it. Yeah, but I'm like, more thinking of like 
maybe you like for, for example maybe you're going on a first date and so you've yeah. you actually approach the character or you know say my character approaches your character and you know it's like oh you know like if we get through this fight do you think we could go mm-hmm. and have an ale together you know just us two instead of you know um you know wink wink like i would then want to i feel like i wouldn't want to be like and then they went to the you know the ale house and they didn't the come back till late and you know yeah the tavern oh my god ale house jesus um <laughs> house is legit, you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i mean though so i feel like i would i would you know if i was to be like oh you know if we if we survive this can i you know can we go to the go get an ale i would then want to want to play that out um no i think i was going to say that first dates are kind of the exception for that yeah i yeah, think that's yeah, the yeah. one that you want to have that because that, that is kind of I'll go back to something I read a long time ago about what an encounter in an RPG should be. Mm-hmm. It's something where characters need to make a choice. And that's basically it. They can, the choice can be fight or run. The choice can be do we, you know, make a deal with this guy or do we like find someone else? Very simple stuff, but you need to make a choice. Mm. And mm. I think that's because in earlier versions of D, it wasn't so much choice and people didn't really know what an encounter was but that's kind of what <laughs> the, the first date would be that they have this opportunity to kind of the two characters talk to each other mm. and make a decision based on that connection and the discussion yeah yeah that makes sense and then kind of all the rest is like you can have them plan out this little date. You can have one of them set up the the fairy lights or organize a picnic or something. But it just feels like a really fun thing to do for the first date. But I feel that unless it's like a good society type game where it's about the dating process, which I don't think there are any RPGs that do that, you probably don't need to go into that much detail after the first couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I th- I think you're right. I think it would only just be a first a first date kind of thing. Yeah, like even this, I feel that like you don't need to see the date to know how it went. Like with Wednesday, you know, like from what you see of it, you know she's impressed by the effort he's gone to. You know that she kind of likes the film, and then you see the aftermath of the date. Yeah, he kind of gets interrupted. Yeah, but then, you do it? get a, you do get a little bit of the social at the start. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like that would be okay as well. Like maybe you just get the brief, um, you know, them, you know, hitting the tavern together and, and ordering and then sitting down and, you know, maybe you get a couple of awkward little exchanges there and then, yeah, the, the DM or the GM can, you know, sort of cut away and then, you know, maybe yeah. we maybe, maybe then you cut back to it, you know, right at the end or, um, yeah, I think that would be fine. I'm loving the idea of having – couple of characters always keep trying to go on a date and it's always interrupted by the plot. Mm. Like, Ooh, I like, like what too. occurs here. Like they go out and like, oh, we're going to go to this tavern and that's when someone comes up and goes, I'm going to rob you or that's when the orcs attack or that's when the dragon yeah. comes. It's like, no, no, I need you now. Yeah. I just think that'd be a really fun running gag that the game master could put in because it also kind of drags out the date and keeps making them think, because that's more of like the Fantastic Four feel where it's like they kept trying to get bored reed and sue keep trying to get married 
but there's always someone trying to take over the world or something falling through space and they just keep having to push the wedding back and push the wedding back. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, that, like, I think that sounds really funny. Like, even if it's not the plot, but, like, even if just NPCs keep popping up yeah. and, but, yeah, no, I think that would be really funny. When it kind of I mean, we'll probably thing, never like... get to experience it in in um the game in we're currently game. in um <laughs> because that, that would involve fun. Um, no, but, that's not true. Uh... I feel that characters <laughs> don't have that sort of none of our characters have that sort of relationship. Um, this time, yeah, you you're probably right. Although, <laughs> I mean, yeah, who knows. Um, well, we'll see. But no, I think I think that would be really fun and funny to to either role play out or to to see, even see it happen at the table. Yeah, I also like the idea of they have the dates that keep getting interrupted, and then when they go on the normal one, it's just not as good. And like we we kind of need like the action, the battle to make it a fun date. Yeah, yeah. Like you mean when they finally get to go on the date, and then they're like, oh, yeah, was this it? Like this, this is kind of kind of bland. <laughs> Maybe we should. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should go find someone to fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Very, really fun. I noticed there's a lot of low key flirting in this episode, too. Okay. Like, well, in, in Wednesday version of flirting, there's like a lot of dis- like back and forth banter and like not one liners, but the, um, the arguing that's also flirting that Wednesday's pretty good at. <laughs> well, I say I say arguing and also flirting because it's between Enid and Wednesday. I wondered if you were wondered if you were talking about them. Um, yes, it's an interesting. I, I can't. There was this actually a specific line where, or maybe it's actually right at the end, but there was a specific line between Enid and Wednesday where I literally was like, "If this is in, if this was in any other show." Like it's the line that that uh, you know a boyfriend would say to a you know a girlfriend or or you know like someone would say to their romantic interest love interest. But I can't. I ha- I, I don't know which line you're talking about, but I have a feeling it's going to be in the second scene with them when Enid moves back in. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was at the end. Um, but yeah, I remember thinking like, wow, this literally is is what would you know that's what would be from like you know a romantic love interest scene. There's a moment when Enid comes back in the fir- the first time. Mm. Um, Wednesday's clearly missing her, and then when Enid tries to slip in to find something, mm. uh, I was like, "Oh, I, I left left my um I'll my nail delete- polish, yeah, silver moon nail polish or something." There's a moment in the Serenity film when um when Anara and Mal are talking, and mm. she's like, "Oh, I left something there," and it's like he's like, oh yeah, I oh yeah, you probably left something. He's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to. Oh yeah, I definitely didn't go through it. Yeah, and it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. that feel between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I definitely didn't hide it, so you can't find it and have to keep coming back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's a it's a cute moment, but like yeah. it, you know, Wednesday's just being so stubborn and stupid, um, mm-hmm. you know, and she's just like. You know why are you here when secretly she's like, "Yeah, you're back again," um, and it's just like, "Oh, don't, don't be silly. Come on." There's a whole thing in this episode about making steps forward mm. and coming across to other people, 
when Wednesday and Enid are arguing and kind of insulting each other in this, they're walking towards each other each time. Mm-hmm. And like they end up almost almost nose to nose uh, along the um the line that's divided them their room so far. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment when I think I don't think Enid goes too far, but there's a moment when Wednesday's like, no, no, we can't do it. And kind of turns around and walks back. And that's when the fight's mm. over. Yeah. And it reminded me because at the end, when she finally kind of gives in and goes, Yes, I'm gonna open up to Tyler and we're gonna kiss and finish off the date and become mm-hmm. more than friends because of the feels. Mm. She doesn't say anything. She just takes a step towards him. Interesting. I did and, not make the connection at the time, but now that you've said that, um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and that to me is like a really flirty thing that you kind of really keeping st- taking these steps forward, not aggressively, like just one step at a time, coming back, step, 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 until you're like nose mm. to nose. Mm-hmm. And you're still arguing. But it's there's a tension. Mm. I mean, that's kind of um, Uncle Fester says this when when Zay's arguing with Xavier in the nightshade vault as well. Mm. He's like, "Oh, you can cut the tension in here." It's like, yeah, because they were arguing in the same way that uh, she yeah. was in the previous scene. Yeah, that's true. And I've discovered I like this idea of verbal battling like in an RPG, more so than actual battles. Like that idea that you can have a social role-play combat. Yeah. And I don't really know how to describe it. The most recent game I've found that might use it is Thirsty Sword Lesbians, (laughs) where a lot of it Mm -hmm. is about trying to kind of say something to somebody, to another character, like an NPC Mm. or something, where you get one up on them but you usually do it by flirting and right, i like that okay. where it's the verbal banter of yeah i made a role and that's going to get that's going to get in their head yeah and that same sort of style here it's like it gets into their head and it's just kind of the back and forth and like there's the parry and the riposte and mm, all those mm-hmm. kind of things where you get to do it with your words it just it sounds really fun yeah, that's cool. I mean, there there are RPG games that are mainly verbal or social, aren't there? With not much. I'm combat. sure there are. I wonder. I yeah. think part of it is if you've got the the wit, and I don't mean this like in a pejorative term, like the wit of I'm a witty person, so I'm good, but just the the speed of thought to be yeah. able to have those comebacks. If you have that naturally, it comes easy. But I'm wondering yeah, if that's true. mechanical for people who don't feel that comfortable socially. But get then get to experience it like, yes, but my character is very witty and I can do that in the same way. Mm. Like the best I can think of when I have character when I have players use vicious mockery in my my uh, D games, I only roll the save for whoever they're insulting after they've made the insult. Because that okay. way, it doesn't matter what the insult was, it's going to affect that person. And that way, if it works, if it's something like, oh, your hair looks dumb today, <laughs> I have to come up with a reason why that really hurt the, ca- the the NPC. Yeah, okay. And there was a really good one that some went, and then the same for if they make the save. I had someone say, um, what was, that's right, they used Vicious Mockery and said, 
why do you, why do your clothes look so horrible? Did your mother dress you this morning? And the NPC rolled well and he said, no, but yours did. <laughs> and because it implies that the NPC had sex with the character's mother. And I thought that was a really good comeback because Wait, he made the same. Like, well, it's like, no. What did he say? I'm going to have to cut oh, this now. Oh, your mother. Yeah, like, Sorry. Yeah, right, it's your like, no, but yours did this me. morning. Yeah. Yeah, I it's thought you fine. were saying the that their mothers. Sure, they did. Yeah. Look, it was good. It was good. It was a good joke, and everyone at the table laughed. Obama was there. It was really cool. <laughs> but, yeah, I like that idea where it, it doesn't matter how clever the person at the table has made the joke. The dice have decided that this is going to be how it operates or how what the yeah. outcome is going to be. So now yeah. the story changes to fit that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I hope that that actually gives the the player a sense of kind of achievement. It's like, I didn't have to come up with a witty joke to beat this person. Yes. I came up yeah. with just whatever I felt like. Mm. I mean, the downside of that is you come up with a really great joke and then they just roll really well and not in, affected at all by it. Yeah, that's that's awful. Yeah, everyone, but then you, everyone else <laughs> at the table is like, "No, no, it was really good. Give them advantage." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I think I feel like mechanicalizing the um, the social aspect of of role playing games is really tricky. Mm, hmm. Maybe that's just D and D. Maybe I need to play more social games to figure out how they like whether there's a way to really make it mm. part of the game i mean I it's tricky that- because it's all it's all a subjective mm. and b it it relies on like we're not we're not there as players wielding actual weapons like swords for example in combat you know we're not doing that we're not physically doing the challenges where we're knocking down a door or you know picking a lock Whereas the social, we are kind of doing that, you know, because we're we're saying what, you know, we're we're literally verbalizing, you know, the the phrases and the sentences. So I feel like that makes it really tricky because it, you know, you may not you may be the the opposite of witty. <laughs> you may be, yes. you know, as a as a player, you maybe your brain doesn't operate. Like, or maybe you're having a bad day, whatever. Maybe normally you're super witty and quick, but, you know, suddenly you cannot form words and and for the life of you, you can't think of anything witty. You can't think of anything that's a great comeback or anything that would, you know, that would, um, you know, titillate titillate the other, uh, you know, the other player or character. Um, But, you know, you you have to, you are verbalizing that. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's. You know, you as a player may be awful at that sort of thing, but your character may be good. So it's really tricky. And yes, you're rolling. And so, yes, it is based on your character's stats, but you're still saying things. So it can be kind of awkward if you're like, I literally don't know what to say to flirt with, you know, with this character right now. And, you know, but you don't want to just be like, so I'm just going to, you know, like I just roll a charisma, like whatever, you know, like I feel like that's a bit of a cop out, but that's why I think social is so tricky is because sometimes you just don't know what to say. Um, whereas, you know, if you were actually your character, they would, if that makes sense. 
I think it's one of those cases where, again, kind of, I know you don't like to break up the flow or step out of it, but maybe it's something where you say the first line, <laughs> like you say, hey, so do you come here often? And then you tell the game master, hey, I want to flirt with this person. And they can say, okay, cool. What else do you say to them? And then you can come up with it. And if you come up with something great, yeah, maybe it works. If you don't, well, that's where the dice come in. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know. Maybe the dice then are used if you can't come up with anything. And if you can, then you just use whatever's whatever's there, like whatever you've mm. said. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But that's also very subjective. I know one um, game that we were in where Stephen was running it and our usual dungeon master um, wanted to play a very dashing rogue, rogue bard, I mm -hmm. think it was. And I think he wanted to be quite flirtatious with an NPC and it did not come off that way. They came off like, what are you doing? Why, why are you talking that way to this person? And <laughs> I feel like I vaguely remember that. And it was like, we were all quite uncomfortable. We were like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. It's like, are, are you propositioning them? Do you think they're actually a sex worker? <laughs> because they're not, they're like the Lord of the town kind of, yeah. kind of thing. But he he wasn't. It was just a tone that didn't mm. quite work at that mm -hmm. point. Mm. So I think, again, that it makes it this tricky thing of you do kind of sometimes have to say, this is what I'm trying to do with this this speech. And it may not be coming across, but this is what I'm intending. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, if only it was that easy in just general life. So I'm I trying mean, to do only. this. Yeah, it'd be yeah. so much easier. Oh. But yeah, I... Just when I saw the the back and forth between them all, it very much reminded me of that flirt fighting that you see in like swashbuckling mm, sort of mm -hmm. films, like even Daredevil, where it's like you've got the the fight scene between the two love interests. Mm, yeah, or even like Buffy and Spike. Yeah, I feel like they flirt fight. They do. They they do a lot of fight things. F for they fight do a lot things. of things. <laughs> yeah, fuck fighting, flirt fighting, fang fighting, <laughs> just is a lot of it. Actual uh, fighting. <laughs> actual fighting occasionally. That happened a lot less as the series went on. <laughs> it did. Um, but I did like that Enid, Enid doesn't even like really apologize or make up with Wednesday. She just kind of comes back and says, I don't know why, but we work. Mm, so mm -hmm. i'm back here yeah yeah it is what it is you know we work so this is what's happening yeah there's like we are friends um, i guess mm. you're stuck with me and also wednesday decides not to put the tape down to separate their rooms yeah that was or sweet. separate their halves or whatever you say and i think it was well wednesday apologizes in the only way wednesday knows how when she says that thing said he missed you. I know. Oh, I know. Which is like translation. I missed you. And then, and that Enid recognizes what she's saying as well. Mm. Like, cause yes, I missed him too. And it's like, yes, you know, you get Wednesday. You understand her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's really sweet. Speaking, actually, of these kind of interactions between what are essentially party members, um, we haven't talked about Festa yet. Yes, Uncle and Festa. 
I want to because Uncle Festa is a classic. Look, um, you you have I, thoughts. I'll let you go. Yeah, I only know Uncle Festa from the '90s movies. Um, so I only know him as Christopher Lloyd played him. Um, so super dumb. No powers, I don't think, from the movies. I can't quite remember him having powers. powers? Does he have powers in the movies? Yeah, he puts a light bulb in his mouth and turns on. Yeah, right. Okay. I suppose. Um, but yeah, so he's just <laughs> I this super that dumb... power. It's literally <laughs> electricity and power, but I suppose it is. He's just this super dopey, um, you know, I don't know, lovable buffoon, I suppose, for want of a better word. Um, and so then to come to the TV show and have, I can't, don't know the name of the actor, um, who played him in, in Wednesday, and he's like, A, he's got freaking like proper electric electricity powers. Oh my god, what did they Bats. called? Little sparkle what? fingers. Well, yeah, but like, what do you what do you say when you've got like when... sparkle fingers? I don't know. No, you don't say bloody sparkle fingers. <laughs> um, anyway, he's got a he's got a cool power. He can actually like electrify things, and he, but the the thing is, is he just? I like that he seems to be quite smart and um you know, quite like he's really good at fighting and, you know, that he has a quite a really good relationship with Wednesday. But he just, well, the way he it. talks, I think he's very, I don't know, it's just very annoying basically. And I just found him very annoying and I just kept wishing it was the festa that I knew. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm harsh like that. This is the the Gomez Adams thing all over again. I know, I know, I know it's terrible. I just get so stuck in my ways. And I just, exactly. you know, it's like I saw them like that, so that's how they should be. That's fair. I'm going to see who it was, who the actor was, because I feel that he was on Saturday Night Live or one of yeah, the- Yeah, I feel um, like I've seen him in multiple movies. Um, I'm pretty certain he was in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, he was, but I can't remember who he was. Uh, let's have a look. We're doing a live Fred, Google. Fred no. Armisen. Oh, you've beaten me to it. All right. Yeah, I don't know why it's taken you so long. <laughs> I was doing other stuff too. I was just checking my email. <laughs> oh, because I mean, this if, podcast I, if I'm like Googling, why not? Riveting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Fred Armstead. What was it? Anchorman. Um, easy. He's in ECA. That's interesting. Hmm. I love ECA. That's a great movie. That is a good movie. Yeah, maybe that's the next one we'll do on the um. Uh, what do you call on the bonus episodes? He's going to be in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, and that looks absolutely awful. Okay, well, we won't, you know, get sponsored by them anytime soon. But that's fine. <laughs> you know, he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He was Melipus. Yes, the key is silent. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he was actually really good. I thought he did a really good job with First Star. Because I feel he was a lot more like the Fester I remember from the TV series. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't the Christopher Lloyd. Like, you cannot top Christopher Lloyd in any role. 
it's well, Christopher of course Lloyd. he could. Like that, he what a ridiculous thing to say. Of course yeah, he could. It's, what do you mean you can't top Christopher? You can top Christopher no, Lloyd. What? I, I'm saying that Christopher Lloyd is a definitive role. Like, he's amazing. Um, He's fine. <gasps> I, But you're saying that, like, are you saying that he could just come in and play any character that's been played and be like, and then be like, oh, actually, yeah, he's the best. No. Well, I don't know. Maybe he could. No, he couldn't. He could not. I think he very much makes a role his own. I would agree with that. Yes, that's that yeah. is a fine statement to make. I will allow that statement, Jeremy. <laughs> and I think because of that, you can have different versions of Festa. Like you have the Christopher Lloyd version, which is very much a mm. Christopher Lloyd portrayal, and then you have yes. everyone else doing Festa. <laughs> sure. This is just a weird way of phrasing it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is doing Festa. Like the Christopher Lloyd <laughs> aspect, there was a whole thing like in in um, the Adams Family, like the original cartoons, that Festa was in love with the moon for some reason. Yeah, right. Okay. Like not just looking at the moon, but like the physical thing, the moon. Um, right. Because that was weird. Mm. But that obviously was dropped for the for the movie. And he's, yeah, that's obviously not here, but I like that weird aspect of he was the, the kooky uncle who kind of, he was the weird neighbor. Mm. Like he's part mm-hmm. of the family, but he shouldn't really be there all the time. Mm. And what I was saying off air about this is it reminds me of when you have a guest player in a game, like somebody who mm-hmm. is kind of in town for the weekend and like wants to join in the game. So when he shows up, he knows everyone's backstory. He's like already there. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Father told me what's going on with this stuff. So I don't mm. have to be filled in with anything. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly, you know, already has relationships, you know, with a couple of the characters perhaps. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely, I can see that occurring. And it, it kind of worked because it's Wednesday show. It's called Wednesday for a reason. But the party, mm-hmm. as I see it, is Thing, Enid, um, Wednesday. Maybe Eugene, if he's there that week. But having Fester come in, he's kind of like, no, no, but I don't want anyone else to see me. He's got this, like, weird thing. So he keeps hiding and having to do stealth rolls and, like, jumping into cupboards as soon as someone comes along. <laughs> yeah. So all these NBCs show up and it's like that little bit of where, where is he? Like what? What's the deal? But if, then when things shows up, he's already got that that connection. Like you said, he's already got the the history with them, so they get to roughhouse and like just pull pranks on each other. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I love I love in party pranks. I shouldn't really because I'm really bad at them, but <laughs> I I love that idea that they're like your adventuring group is kind of like a family. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, when two characters love each other but also want to mess with each other, that seems like the natural thing to do. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, if you're just on the road with each other day in, day out, of course you're going to start, you know, playing pranks and mucking around and, you know, just trying to liven things up because obviously every day is not a dragon fight, you know, otherwise you'd be dead. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, definitely trying to trying to liven things up, you know, in the in between. Um, 
I can definitely it's the, see. Um, it's the prank of seeing who ends up doing the washing up or who has to cook the campfire mm. or who who pays for those who have seen the um the D and D movie. Um, it's the whole <laughs> yeah. hey, thanks for the drinks and walking off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and leaving with a chair. It's that kind of stuff. It's like that's the kind of thing mm. you just do with friends anyway. Yeah. I mean, maybe not to that extent. Maybe you don't like really rip them off, but it's like, well, I got you this time. You'll get me another time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it just felt like the, the Fester thing relationship was like that. Like they were fighting, but as soon as Wednesday says, cut it out, they stop. Yeah. Yeah. And then they can, then they cooperate and, you know, can tolerate each other. Yeah. And that's kind of what you need when you want a, a party to work together. It's like when it's, it comes down to it, you do stop the shenanigans and yeah, you know, and you just roaring, get on with it. Yeah, drawing dicks on each other's faces and stuff. <laughs> Although that's only in games where you're allowed to have fun. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, oh, what would that be like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know what those games are like. Now we brought up Thing just then. <laughs> we should talk about Thing because Thing gets stabbed in this episode. He sure does. Um, yeah, like yeah. nail to the wall, even. Mm, um, yeah, it's actually a really, like, I love this scene where Wednesday basically finds him and then rushes him off to find Uncle Fester. And, yeah. you know, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to see how distraught Wednesday is. Um, but it's also wonderful, I feel, um, because even though we knew, quotation marks, knew she had feelings, we still hadn't really seen them properly. Um, and I feel like it's it's a nice seeing how upset she is over Thing, who obviously Uncle Fester is trying to, I guess, you know, shock shock into life again um with his powers um and it's obviously not really working and yeah just seeing just how upset wednesday is um and how desperate she is for for him to come back to for thing to come back to life um i felt i mean a was acted wonderfully um by jenna like obviously just staring at a bloody hand (laughs) um You know, I thought that was fantastic. And it was just really, I think it was really good to just to actually get that validation of, you know, she she feels really deeply. Um, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I thought it, like, it's a key scene for that exact reason. Mm. And I'm wondering, we saw earlier in the series where the last time she cried before this was when her pet scorpion got killed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she likes funerals. She likes death. As that's like the whole Adams family shtick. And the fact that Thing can come back, like he gets resurrected pretty soon after. But it's something about her losing a friend. Like everyone else, she everyone else she pushed away, but Thing she could never push away mm, because mm-hmm. Thing's family. Yeah. So when she loses that, it's like, oh, this is really hitting. Like, she's lost everyone else before this. Like, Enid's gone. Xavier's mad at her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. With Tyler, which unfortunately happened. <laughs> and unfortunately got interrupted, though. So Yeah, yes. unfortunately got interrupted. So she's kind of, like, opening up to these feelings. And mm. that's when Thing gets killed. And suddenly it's like, oh, well, there's two ways you can go from that. You can either realize that 
feelings are sometimes powerful and you can get good things out of it because she uses those feelings to threaten the thing back to life. Yeah. Or you can shut off entirely. Mm. And I think she's realized that, you know, feelings are good because of that. And I think that's why I wanted to talk about it because that idea of the resurrection, like mm-hmm. in D&D, death is cheap. Well, some games it's cheap. that You can just kind of mm-hmm. bring them back pretty quickly. Mm. But I'd rather have any resurrection sequence be like this. Yeah, where where it's like a real slog and a real emotional journey to try to to get them back. Yeah, like you do have to say, like you do have to threaten them and say, "I'm going to come down to the afterlife and drag you kicking and screaming back into my world because I need you back," rather yeah. than just cool. We've got the three hundred gold. Revivify their back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bibbity bobbity boo. Yeah, it just it it. I don't want to remove it all because I I want it to have some sort of like opportunity to bring characters back, but it's also mm. slightly more powerful to have that scene and make, I want to say make you realize, but it's more just to give your characters an opportunity to realize this could be me. Who would bring me back yeah. if that happened? Yeah. Yeah. He's, does anyone else here care enough about me that they would put that effort in and, you know, to to get me back. Um, that being said, though, the revivify that you have to be a certain level. Do you, is that correct? Uh, I believe it's a third level spell, so I think you just oh, have to only? level onwards. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's less than I yeah. expected. Like I'm running for a group of level fives at the moment, and they're starting to think about revivify because I run a, a pretty tough game. But I also like to give them options. Like one in particular got attacked by a vampire who just drained them to mm-hmm. zero. The rules say that if a vampire does that to you, you come back as a vampire. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. You don't die. You're a vampire now. So it kind of gave them that opportunity. They didn't have to have the scene, but now it's moved the story along to go, well, how are you going to explain to your the rest of your party that you're a vampire and you have to eat spinal fluid yeah. every six months <laughs> yeah. and avoid the sun and yeah yeah but if that hadn't happened if they died it's like well then you got to make the choice are you going to try and resurrect this person or mm. are you going to are they going to make a new character what does the player want to do first of all what are they happy with but also it, you don't just do it snap your fingers and they're back yeah you have that experience of going through the grief of trying to find the solution to, to bring them back because that's Mm. investing in your character. That's making them feel more real to me. Mm. And when you get a powerful scene, like things death, like thing dies, like flat out Mm. just dies. And Wednesday has to yell at him. Mm. It's, it's a turning point for a character. And I feel that it should mean something more than just, well, we're at 300 gold. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and the spell takes 10 minutes and you're back. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I feel death isn't as cheap in other role-playing games, unless it's something like Paranoia where you've got like seven or eight clones and it really is cheap. <laughs> but that's a lot wackier and, of course, we will never play it. Of course not. The Game Master's going to sue us for slander, you know that. <laughs> he can try. 
<laughs> we don't have any money. Why would he bother? <laughs> yeah, we spent it all on Revivify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's what I wanted to say about um, the resurrection sequence. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the Hyde and Tyler? Or do you just. I mean, yeah, look, I'll mention it. I'll mention it briefly. Um, I mean, I like I I like the reveal. Um, you know, just as well oh, as the totally op- opens up her feelings and yeah, you know, lets him in. I suppose she finally kisses yeah, him and then has I mean, a vision what? and realizes <laughs> she kisses him and realizes that you know he's the hide. Um, mm. It um, that that was really cool. Um, I thought. Um, and I mean, yeah, so what? So the Hyde basically, you know, he's experienced some traumatic event which somehow turns him into a Hyde or something. And then they yeah. they have a master that can control I don't, I don't think them. there's a traumatic event that turns him into a Hyde. I think they're always a Hyde, but the traumatic event unlocks it. Like right, unlocks it like awakens it kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then it like kind of bar- stays buried deep down, and the master basically turns on that switch. Mm-hmm. And after that, mm. they're like, "Cool, I control you now." Mm. Which I um. I like for villainy. I really like it as a as a campaign boss. Like for this adventure that we're talking about for Wednesday, it works really well. Like you've got the big monster, but... which means the actual villain can be someone you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Like you know that if you can get rid of the monster as well, maybe it's a little bit more one-on-one with with human stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you can talk to them, and you just need to get rid of the. Yeah, I I like the concept behind it, but the more I think about, the more I see the monster, the less I like it. I told you. Yeah. You've infected me with it. <laughs> I was fine just... with it the first time. <laughs> I mean the whole werewolf transformation, which it basically is. He's a werewolf. Let's let's not be, you know, he's just a a werewolf that turns into a, a human. It's like instead of he's a man man, he's a were man. He just turns into a bigger version of himself. (laughs) I mean, look, I suppose. um, But, I mean, you haven't really, I guess, said what's wrong with it because you you keep saying it like there's a butt coming, but you haven't really got to the butt yet. I don't want to talk about his butt. Um, (laughs) No, I, I like it. I oh, just feel like you're saying it. Like I know, no, I know. This is what I'm saying. It did feel a little bit like out of nowhere. Oh, like there okay. wasn't, there wasn't really enough put down that hides. Like Weem says, hides were banned from Nevermore thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, thirty years ago, the history of Nevermore has kind of been an important part of the show so far. Does that does that mean something? Because thirty, like six, well, however long ago, um, Gomez and Morticia were there. That's when there was the murder. That's when the Gates thing happened. It's like, all right, so what's what's the deal? What happened thirty years ago with Hides that we need to know about? Mm. And there's been nothing there. 
Like, we know there's a monster, but okay, he's apparently an outcast as well, but there wasn't any hint that there were outcasts that weren't like him. We just know the sirens, the werewolves, the vampires, and Wednesday, apparently, who's just kind of creepy. No, but also, um, also Xavier. Oh, she's got visions. Yeah. Like he's, she's got visions too. She's got visions, but also, and also Xavier. Like he's he doesn't really fit the mold, you know. Who also then there has was visions. um, there was Rowan who was who had telekinesis. telekinesis that didn't really yeah. fit, fit the mold of of the others either. Um, yeah, that's true. But we kind of yeah, I'm just thinking like there's there's slightly not enough evidence for it. No, but isn't that the point, though? Like, in mysteries, is that you're not meant to be given everything. Like, you know, you it slowly kind of trickles out and you've got to kind of... But know, it wasn't. It like, wasn't slowly trickled out. They just kind of dumped it all and it's like Festa shows up and goes, oh, that's a high. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But like, I, I feel like a- it was... I feel like the the identity... Of the hide, like that was almost that almost was breadcrumbed, I suppose, a little bit. Like yeah. you know, if we if we think about it, we could actually work it out. Yeah, totally. So I, don't, I, think I don't think it really. Yeah. It doesn't matter where the hide comes from. The important thing is that Tyler is the monster. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of realizing. I'm only, I think I'm only realizing there's problems with the the hide reveal now on a second viewing as I'm really like delving into it. The first time I'm mm. watching it, yeah, that's fine. I'm quite happy with mm. that. Yeah. Me poking yeah, potholes for the game master and go, what, what? Hey, what's the deal with that? How come I can't use this spell to travel across <laughs> the continent as quickly as I want to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the the ability for someone that NPC to suddenly gain new abilities just to be a threat to the party. And that's sort of what, and particularly when it's an NPC they trust. I mean, they're not technically, he's not technically gaining these abilities. We're just more becoming aware of it suddenly. Oh, no. I mean, when he can transform, when he transforms into the hide, he's suddenly gaining abilities that Wednesday can't handle. Yeah, yeah. Like she can, her words can deal with him as a human, but when he's Mm. a hide, well, that's a bit more of a problem. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I I like the concept behind it, and maybe just the design needs to be tweaked a little bit. Going back mm. on my words from earlier in this season, <laughs> um, there's probably a few more things that I wanted to talk about with this. I mean, there was the um, the the whole evidence flashbacks when she's accusing Xavier and accusing, um, oh, it's just when she's accusing Xavier, basically. Like, here's why I think you're the 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 monster. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like those as a um a way of describing it, but it's harder to use in an RPG because you can't actually use flashbacks or anything like that. Well, why can't you? Well, you can use flashbacks, but it's like remember that time, sort of thing. Yeah, it's I suppose. Like, can't actually. Yeah drop a, a little gif on the table saying, this is what happened. Do you remember it? Here, I've got it on footage. I've got footage of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also the um, the concept of Faulkner's diary, which kind of becomes suddenly important, but when we had never heard of it before, because this yeah, is what no, information hides. 
Yeah, definitely. I thought that as well. I thought this was interesting because it felt like a plot hook that Wednesday's player has missed. Like, yeah, they sent, yeah, the game interesting. Masters, the game masters centered and evermore, and like set up this secret society that has like this little safe which all the information in, and Wednesday's players are going, "No, nah, I'm not going there." And yeah, like, I don't want to join. I'm too. Yeah, confused. I'm not joining that stupid society. And he's like, "Okay, um, how do I get you the information then?" Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like if you'd. If you'd gone and joined them, you would have found this out a long time ago. <laughs> so <laughs> brought Uncle Fester in to tell to guide you a mm, little bit. Further. Yeah. Yeah, to point you in the right direction. Yeah. And now you've yeah, got literally real- he's like, Oh, it's a hide. And oh, have you looked in Faulkner's journal? <laughs> That's yeah. like, oh thanks, Uncle Fester. Dismissed. <laughs> oh, a little bit like that. And just I like that, that it's like, well, you could have seen how this story would have gone the way the, the Game Master was intending it. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there would have been much difference had she known it was a hide from the start. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, knowing what, like you've said, knowing what the monster is and is as important as knowing who it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, just a nice little touch. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say about this episode. There's probably more, but you can send it. Unless, uh, Lisa, have you got anything else to, to mention? Mm. Pretty much covered all my my favorite bits. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good episode, a good lead into yeah. the, the final finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is one last thing that we need to do before we wrap up, and that is pick a character from the episode that we've just watched uh, and talk about how the the character could be used as a role as a. Um, I'm I'm just drawing a blank tonight. Uh, how they would <laughs> it's use pretty late in our game. Or one of your games. Um, I've got mine. Have you had a chance to mm-hmm. think about it, Elise? Sure do. I've got mine too. All right. I don't know. Anyways, let's see. I want to. I want to guess. Um, is it Tyler? It is. Well done. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Uh, why is it Tyler? So, I mean, I I hadn't quite decided whether I wanted to play him as an NPC or a player character. But yeah. I just liked the idea that you're just kind of this, you know, whatever your whatever your character is, that's that's who he is. But then you don't know. Maybe a player character, although that's probably not fair. I don't know. But maybe, you know, one of the other party members, you don't know, but is secretly your master. And, Ooh. you know, maybe they're constantly doing checks or or even the DM's doing checks or something just to see whether they'll, you know, take over or maybe you have to constantly do willpower checks. I don't know. Like, I'm making this up as we go. But, um, <laughs> you know, I feel like it would be really cool if, like, one of the other party members was your master and then, uh, you know, that suddenly, you know, you become their puppet and you literally have no choice but you've got these extra abilities. Um, but you kind of have to do what they say and then, you know, suddenly you're back in your body and, and I don't actually know if it's revealed that Tyler has memories of. It's not his clear. Time I think they say the that the hides don't remember. Mm, I think okay. they say that, but it does seem like we see him transforming back after murdering, murdering Valerie, or Doctor Kinder. Oh uh, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So it feels like he knew. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. That would be. 
or, or maybe maybe it is an NPC and, you know, we all just think he's just a regular Joe who's here to help us or who's here to give us information or whatever. Yeah. And then suddenly he transforms and is this, you know, crazy monster and we've got to, turns out he's the problem. Yeah, um, and then you've got to think if he doesn't know he's doing it and if someone's controlling him, do you feel right killing him? Yeah, exactly. Or do we need to try and track down who's controlling him? Um, yeah. Yeah. I like I like the idea of a PC because you could do, like if it's D&D, you can have mm. a barbarian who's getting controlled by a wizard. But it's mm. not so much like I'm telling, I do every, you have to do everything I say. It's more like when you go into the rage, the wizard just kind of triggers you and you do. Yeah, like, right. Okay. Attack them and you're like, cool, I'm going to attack them. So you, ju- yeah, you do it yeah. your actions, but you're not completely controlled by the other player. Yeah, right. But almost more like you turn into a bit of a berserker and so you're a bit yeah. a bit more like bloodthirsty and, you know. And don't, that's don't really. no different than than playing a, like let's say a low intelligence fighter and just going, I'm just going to follow someone else's lead. Yeah, yeah. And so very easy to to bring into a, a, a game or into a party. Mm-hmm. And that way you're not having the agency taken away of, well, I'm just going to play your character for a while. Yeah, yeah. But that aspect of having a monster inside you and then not remembering, I mean, that's what you're playing now, basically. Yeah, I suppose. I'd never really thought about it like that. Really? Um, okay. I, I yeah, I did not, I had not made that connection at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That's something for me to chew on. There you go. Well, mm. while you're chewing on that, I'll tell our listeners uh, the, the character that I've picked, um, which Please. you might have guessed from my my Festa apologist. Ratio? I don't know where I'm mm-hmm. going with this brain tonight. I was trying to say it's, my, my it's very light. aspect, and then I went from aspect to ratio. So, mm. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. Anyway. Uncle Fester, uh, partly as as a PC, I'd want him to be just that weird one-shot character, like very much an Adam's family type person who eats the potpourri and like has this weird little ability or an obsession with the moon, just odd stuff. As an ongoing character, I don't think I'd lean into that as heavily, but still like okay. have this odd little backstory of like, yeah, I've committed a whole bunch of crime over the years and I'm kind of wanted in every country. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't do that now. I'm a hero, right? Or as an NPC, <laughs> just to be that weird cleric that you have to go to when you really need healing, who's got like mm. this sordid past and always is like, if you really want to some money, I can buy your teeth because I need a snack kind of <laughs> attitude. Yeah, yeah, okay. And mm. I think he'd be fun in either one, but I think he works better as a PC in one shot. Hmm. I like that. Also, keeping up that level of weird is is difficult if you're trying to um keep it fresh, as it were. Yeah. No, that's true. I think I think you're right. And also if you're if you're that weird all the time, it detracts from the weirdness, right? Because it just becomes yeah. normal. Yeah. And it's also like, well, do you lean into everything's wacky and weird or you just pick a couple of things to be weird about and focus on those? Like the fact that he is like, mm. in love with the moon. It's like, do you just do that mm. every time? Now we're getting into what makes comedy. <laughs> 
Uh, but so we'll wrap up before we just keep going into like a whole separate tangent. Um, that is the episode. Uh, join us next time for uh, episode eight, the finale, A Murder of Woes, uh, in which <laughs> probably something happens. Um, some, everything will be revealed, no doubt. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email. The email address is dndntvpod at gmail.com or you can get on Instagram uh, at dndntvpod. You can leave, what do you call those things? Reviews. Uh, anywhere podcasts are found and you can subscribe on anywhere podcasts are found as well. That would be really appreciated because it gets that to more listeners. But the best thing to do is to tell friends because as we as Wednesday learned this episode, it's good to have friends. Mm-hmm. And it's good to tell your friends about stuff you like, like this podcast. Yeah, that was a good segue, I feel. Um, mm, I, I, really, I really liked it. Thank you. Uh, I'm good with the advertising segues and not so much the rest. <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service in Melbourne. Uh, you can see them at Fortress Emporium every Sunday where you can join in d- games of D&D uh, for beginners or intermediate. Uh, and there's usually a couple of events that are going on as well. Um, I guess it's Happy Easter for those that are celebrating uh, at the end mm-hmm. of the week. Um, happy Zombie Jesus Day for those who celebrate that instead. Uh, and until next time... M- Stay safe, be kind to yourselves, may all your hits be crits, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. There's the stop button. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.